Welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Deeker. And I'm Rebecca Hines. And Lisa, the fun of this episode is that we're focusing on a mom. And sometimes moms just need to be heard. Who do we have today? Well, we this is a definite friend, a uh, friend for a long time, which we always laugh that most of our podcast guests are friends. But this is a friend who really has had a vision for her child with unique abilities. Um, and we'll let her tell you about that. And her name is Kathleen Williams and about her son moving out, which I think is something that we all like to hear. So welcome, Kathleen. We're excited you're with us today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks. Well, could you give us just a little bit of start of maybe um, a little bit about your wonderful son and a little background about him as we talk about his journey of growing up and moving out? Well, my son is CJ. He's getting ready to turn 27, if you can believe that. And um, he's been diagnosed with autism and ADHD. And um, he's the most social autistic person you will ever meet, (laughs) which you can attest to. Yes. And um, he has um, recently moved out. He moved out um, two weeks exactly before the shutdown of COVID. And he moved into a group home. There's a total of six young men who live in this home. And he's just been thriving. So, so can you tell us when CJ was, I think I met you when he was about eight, probably. It makes me seem old. But, but when he was eight, what set the trajectory, do you think, to get CJ where he is today? What, what was that pathway? And maybe, you know, at the time you didn't even know what you were doing about, but what are some of those things when he was young that you think led you to where you are today? And for those listeners who don't know CJ, he is not only the most social kid, but he also has some complex needs. It wasn't an easy pathway uh, for Kathleen. So I would love to celebrate what you did early on to kind of move him in this direction. Well, we did, you know, all the therapies, lots of occupational therapy, lots of sensory things. He had lots of sensory issues. He still does, but we managed through the therapies to, he's able to get a haircut now. He's able to have his teeth brushed now. He's still not able to get a dental cleaning without anesthesia, but he's able to do, he's able to eat all sorts of foods that, you know, before he just, he just couldn't stand to eat. And it wasn't that he didn't like the taste of them is he didn't like the texture of them. Um, we did lots and lots of behavioral therapy. Um, we did, we did switch to some um, higher level medications to really make a difference in his life to um, really stabilize him. So there wasn't so many ups and downs. Uh, throughout the day. Um, The school played a big part. We had some really great teachers in in the schools, and they just made all the difference in the world for us. You know, Kathleen, you and I have talked so many times over the years about, you know, about living opportunities and independent living for, you know, for our kids. And people hear sometimes the term group home, and it doesn't, it doesn't, feel fun, you know, and our topic is summer fun, but Lisa and I know you well enough to know that whatever situation you have crafted or found for your son, you know, it's a group home, but I'm sure that for him, there's got to be fun there or you wouldn't have him there. So can you tell us a little bit about kind of that experience of finding a place where you felt like your son was living independently rather than being just cared for. Yes, he, 
lives in a home in a regular neighborhood, a neighborhood like you and I would live in. It's literally five minutes from my house. And it's just a regular house. There's six guys that live there. They do have someone there 24-7, so they're not alone. But you would think he was living in a frat house, not, you know, people think group home and they think, oh, poor thing. It's so sad. It's a terrible situation. It's not. The house is cleaner than my house to begin with. And it's just a bunch of guys having a great time. They go bowling once a week. They go to dances at least once a month. They've been going to pool parties. If there's an activity, they try and sign them up for it. Um, They spend their days at a day program that they all troop up to in this van. They transport them and they just have a grand old time. Yeah, I love that. And I know that was always, you know, the vision that that we wanted for our family members. How did you how did you make sure you were finding a place like this for him? Is it is it that the the staff, you know, that worked there, you you already knew this was a kind of place he was going to have have available or did you hand pick people to work there? Can you give us just a an idea of how do we create that? How do we make sure our loved ones have these opportunities? We were extra blessed because the place where he goes for his day program had the opportunity to start a group home. And so I already knew the people that were involved. I already knew the people that were running it. We have similar goals and values and things that we want for, in my case, CJ, but in their case, all the young men who live in the house. So I knew going in who was going to be taking care of things. And so I had the advantage of having a relationship with them prior to them setting up the home. So that's a big advantage. There are some really great group home settings all over Orlando. And it's just a matter of finding the right one that fits your needs. Some of them handle more behavior. Some of them are more independent. And CJs are very independent. They'll, um, most of the times they only have one person working and they help them cook and they help them clean and they help them do their laundry, but they all have chores. They have assignments. Somebody does the dishes. Somebody sweeps the floor. Somebody takes out the trash. They do their own laundry with help but they do a lot of things for themselves and that makes them feel more independent too. And I love, I I just want to ask, because I think our listeners will enjoy. And what happens when you try to bring him for a visit back to your house? Well, it depends on what we're doing. If he's just coming back for a short period of time, he's just agitated, but he tolerates us. He does get on my TV and go to my DVR settings and set recordings for every WWE event that's coming up in the next week. So I get recordings on my DVR after he's been here of SummerSlam and Monday Night Raw. (laughs) If I try to make him spend the night, which does happen at Christmas time, he complains. The first time we made him spend the night here after he had moved out, he was terrified that we were not going to let him go back to the group home. <laughs> and all six feet and 230 pounds of him stood in my living room and jumped up and down like a two-year-old and declared, I sleep at the group home. <laughs> so now he knows that at Christmas, he comes home for two nights, but he's not happy about it. <laughs> and, and again, I think that's what I want our listeners to realize is that you're having fun because you see his independence, but he's having fun too. And, and I know there was a journey. I'm going to ask um, 
just a little bit of a backward part of the journey. Cause one of the other things I think you mentioned teachers and all of that therapy, but literally CJ was very included. Can you share just with our listeners, like what high school did to set him up to where he is today? Cause I know that was a very inclusive experience for him. He was very, very blessed. We had a wonderful teacher at high school um, and she helped us pave the way with inclusion. I really pushed the issue and really wanted him to be included with the athletes. He's very athletic. He loves sports. So in our case, it was the athletes, but he got to help with the baseball team. He would go to practice. He would help around the field. He would help pick up balls. Mostly he stood around and just cheered people on and trash talked. But during games, he would stand in the dugout. They actually got him his own uniform shirt that had CJ on the back of it. And uh, then the football team got involved and he was on the sidelines for the football games. He would go out to practices. He didn't really help much, but he was there to encourage, throw the ball around, hang out with the guys during games. He liked to high five, whack people on top of their helmets. And uh, then at one point, they actually even put him into a game and let him play in one game. And it was all over the news. And it was it was a big event. And he still talks about it to this day. And I think to do that, they had to change like the state law for eligibility and all kinds of things. Um, no, but they, no, they got him in. That was one of the reasons he had to play by a certain date was that there's certain rules about eligibility, but he had to wear a mouth guard. He had to wear pads. He had to wear a uniform. And I still talk about the poor guy that had to stuff him into his football. (laughs) But, but I think, you know, your expectation for him all along is every opportunity, no matter his needs, you would find a way if he wanted to do it, to celebrate it. And I think that's not only fun, but but fun for our listeners. So one avenue I think that wasn't that fun, but I, I wanted to just follow up was kind of how that funding structure, I know you and I talked a few times, but how are you able to support him in that group home setting and any advice for finding those pathways for funding? And remember our listeners are around the globe. So I know there's some pathways in Florida, but it's different in every state. But what were some creative things you were able to do to kind of get him to that situation to cover rent and all of those things that were needed? Uh, He does get social security, which people with disabilities are eligible for when they turn 18. There's some people who get it earlier due to financial need, but you don't have to prove financial need when they're 18. You do have to prove that they have a permanent disability and you have to go through a process with social security office. Um, We also get what's called um, med waiver Um, Medicaid waiver, and that pays for his services, that pays for his day program, that pays for his services at the home, it doesn't pay his rent, his social security pays for his rent, but it pays for the services that he gets transportation, and um, it covers all of those expenses. That is something that is different in every state. In Florida, there is an enormous waiting list for people trying to get services. So you just have to go through your state. It's through the agency for persons with disability. And it just depends, like I said, on the state, what their rules are and how you get the services there. And, you know, Kathleen, you and I as, you know, proponents of inclusion, and you just really well explained how the school helped set CJ up for this success later. And he's, he's now living in a group home, but, you know, I think as an adult, 
inclusion becomes having the confidence to be a part of the general community, which CJ certainly does. And our 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 listeners don't know this, but you know, when we say CJ, you know, he CJ is a big man and he has been a big man for a long time. <laughs> so we're not talking about a, you know, a docile little wallflower kind of guy. So um, the fact that he has this opportunity and it's, a, it's amazing to have watched how he got there. But if I'm, if I'm a, a parent or a teacher who's working with a parent, what would you say is step one from a practical level? Let's say I do have my financing in order, you know, I'm getting to social security, but I'm really looking for a situation like CJ has. What would you say would be the first step for someone to help their student move out and have the kind of fun he does? Um, the first step if you're trying to move out and you have your funding is to talk to your support coordinator. The support coordinators are the people that work with um, in different, in different States, I'm sure might have a different name, but in Florida, it's called the support coordinator and they help you facilitate your med waiver money. And they actually have the information about different group homes that are available and they can help you find a group home. I found my own group home because of my unique situation. Normally you have to have a support coordinator help you find homes. Well, can you tell me, because, you know, again, I live in the same state. None of this is easy to navigate. Let's say I don't know who my support coordinator is. Let's say I can't get access or I don't have med waiver because I've been on the waiting list so long. What did you personally do? What was your first step? What what beyond the governmental part? What is a parent? What was your first step? There's just lots of networking among the parents. That's really how you get information is from other parents. That's how you find out about good group homes, bad group homes. That's how you get the most of your information. Like I said, we had the funding. And if you do have funding, then you do have a support coordinator. If you are on the wait list, you can contact in Florida. If you're on the wait list, you can contact the Agency for Persons with Disability and they will help you because if you're in crisis, sometimes you can get um, services that you couldn't get before. And that's a way to get off the wait list too. So it just depends on your situation. When you get to the point that you want or you need for your special needs child or adult to move out of the home, then they usually can help you. And so find, finding a support network also, I, I do think that's key is finding a parent group locally so you can start exploring this is, is a great tip. Well, so as we wrap up my last question in 10 seconds or less, what's the most fun you've had since CJ has moved out? <laughs> we have gone on several cruises <laughs> and uh, vacations and uh, he has not come, which makes him as happy as it makes us. He hates being <laughs> dragged places and would hate a cruise ship as much as I love one. So that's been just being able to not worry about when are his meds due? What time do we need to be home? What time does this caretaker have to leave? Is the caretaker going to show up? Um, just having that freedom has meant so much to all of us. And it's meant so much to him because he doesn't have to deal with us. And uh, sometimes it was him having to deal with us more than us having to deal with him. 
<laughs> That's a great final thought. Well, thank you, Kathleen, for not only sharing your personal story, but your advice to other parents, which is so important. Um, so please, if you have questions, send us a question on our Facebook page at Practical Access or send us a tweet at Access Practical. Thank you again, Kathleen. And tell CJ, thank you for letting us share his story too. I will, I, thanks. Tell him I said hi. Yeah, I will. Me. Thanks so much. Thank you.